And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. I am so thrilled to be here with a dear friend of mine who I've been dying to have on the show for years now. So this finally worked out last minute. I am here with my queen, Cheryl Burke. Cheryl, welcome to Emotional Support. I love your podcast. I am (laughs) such a fan, actually. I've been listening. You know I've been listening to your podcast since I think... Two, it's been two years yeah, since I, I was actually here in Brooklyn last. I know. And I just love everything you stand for. Oh and I gosh. love that you're open with your, you know, your own mental health. And I think it's so important, the work that you're doing. So thanks for having well, me. Well, I love you. Thank you so much. And and I'm so happy to hear that because it means the world to me. But, you know, I, I think what a lot of people don't realize um, when it comes to you is how important mental health is in your world. Yeah. Um, not totally. only are both of us like real fun, like crazy <laughs> kooky gals yes. Yes, <laughs> like, totally. let's not act like we're all perfect and innocent and everything Definitely because kooky yeah furthest from that like not normal what is normal not boring though that's for sure we are a really good time especially on a saturday night if you get us together and we or go monday out to the club like whatever every day is a monday or saturday however you want to wherever look at it, right it's a full-blown exactly. dance party wherever we go especially with the boys um yes but i'm just so happy because you have used your platform for such good and such incredible, um, you know, normalizing the conversation behind mental health, normalizing the conversation um, behind, you know, addiction and recovery. And, you know, you know, and and those who listen to the show know that, you know, um, addiction is very, 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 very close to my heart. Um, The closest people in my life around me um, live with sobriety. And it is something that, you know, is every single day a challenge, right? It's like minute to minute. Absolutely. One day at a time, one step at a time. I mean, I tell my dance partners that too. It's just that when you think so far ahead of the game, it's just so overwhelming that, you know, for me at least, my brain can sometimes just get so overwhelmed that I end up, you know, going back to my old habits, whatever that is, right? So it's like, it really is just trying to stay present. Mm -hmm. But even that is overwhelming when I say that. So it's like, just take upon whatever comes at you right at that yeah. moment and just it is what it is you kind of have to and i'm learning this kind of have to stop i love micromanaging that's just in right here my, part i'm right there gene. with you yep um and it's hard <laughs> not to it's hard to think that like and also to actually have a come to jesus that you're you can't control other people only right. yourself is a lot to handle <laughs> you mean you can't control your husband because i can't do it oh, and it's all I've i want to do all day Believe long me. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. I don't think we've even talked about this. I, you know what? It happened with like 12 people in the backyard because I, we wanted to do it's a great, huge though. thing and we still plan on doing it. It's just, it's like, fuck, man. It's like, you can't do it. You guys are married. Anything. Like, you guys are married. We're married, but it doesn't feel like it because I feel right. like we didn't have this huge, like beautiful event like you did where there was like a fun lead up. I didn't have a bachelorette party. No. We weren't it's even so engaged. Overrated, though. It's overrated. I think honestly, I think that's the feeling that the good feeling is like, you don't really feel like anything's changed, right? Like it just feels It's right. kind of bizarre, right? Like I feel like we're still dating, but I do yes. say <laughs> I miss the bachelorette party. I missed like a bridal shower. I think totally. things, little things like we'll that, that are really we'll special. Yeah, we'll do it. Sure. Listen, we'll do all I want to do is go back to Magic Mike. I did oh it for my God. birthday years ago. I want to go to Magic Mike. Been. I want to go what? so bad. Cheryl, it's the best never. fucking thing that's no. ever happened to me I in never. my life. And <laughs> they put me on the piano 
One of the guys that I, I did. I saw pictures. Yes. I think, was it you that showed me or Jerry and it Paul? It was probably Jerry and Paul. And yeah. they put me on the piano and I was wearing a onesie and it was my 30th birthday. And I was like, yes. Oh my God. I was feeling it. And then my Living. legs went behind my head and like all went downhill from <laughs> there. And the rest is history. <laughs> and then yeah. I got married. <laughs> so, you know, it happens. So there you go. That was your best friend. <laughs> exactly. Four years too early. Um, you right, know, I, stretch. I had a really good stretch. I was so sore. Great oh my God, it sounds terrible, but I was so sore. Oh, um, was your yoga for the week. Oh my God, I had to do so much Pilates and yoga. I can't That's even amazing. tell you. Um, one thing that I would love to talk about that I think both you and I share so importantly in our heart is, yes, we have Dancing with the Stars and that is, you know, the just most epicness. Okay You're the queen, <laughs> queen of Dancing with the Stars. But, you know, people may not know no, I mean, obviously fans of yours do, but there's a whole backside of how this all started when you were a kid. And, yeah. you know, I don't get a chance to talk about it enough, but I was actually a competition dancer and I was oh. a national jazz and tap champion. Yeah, I went to New York. Yeah. Do you know who my dance partner was? Is, do you remember Nick Lazzarini? Yes, of course. Okay. So Nick He's was my great. dance. He's the best. Like, so wait, there's couples. So you guys, I'm so no, confused. it wasn't couples, it was but no, 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 no. But we did like we did all of our competitions together and our oh, solos, okay. and then we had a duet together. And so, but that's he was in my life since I was three years old. Like that's how that's long why you know all the dancers. That's why I know all the dancers. So okay, like the whole it. like backside is that's my true. No, I wouldn't say it's my true passion. Acting is absolutely my true passion. Yeah, but that's my emotional support. And that is yes. how I stay sane. And so whenever I would have, you know, a panic attack or a manic episode or feeling some bipolar, you know, moment coming on, I would mm -hmm. go and take a dance class at the edge. Like that's totally. just... And just release it all. And yeah, sometimes you, no words needed, you know? Just no words needed. Just let it all out with, through movement. Literally through movement. And, you know, I think that I, I talk about it, you know, not a lot, but to my, you know, family, like my mom and everyone obviously knows, there were so many signs for me of perfectionism and like severe perfectionism, right? Like, like the girl when is you sick were a little girl. when I was a little girl, like she needs help, you know? Um, I couldn't cross thresholds. So mm -hmm. I was so afraid that I wouldn't do good or sorry, not good, better the next day in dance that I wouldn't go from one side of the dance, uh, the dance room to the other. Um, and it took me about eight months. It took me hypnotherapy. It took me therapist. It took me everything. What do you mean everything. you wouldn't go to the other side of the, I, like, like if, this was like a doorway, like just a doorway. Mm -hmm. I couldn't go from one side of the door to the oh, other wow. side of the door okay. because I was so afraid that it wouldn't be perfect because I was oh. like this little thing that was like, doing fuetes so and dancing around like circles. I mean, you were probably amazing, right? I like not no shit. Can this you, is you not totally ego. To I was it. I was yes. amazing. Like I'm yes. I'm not even a one one no. millionth of what I was now. But you know by any means. No, but still, like you're not sugarcoating. I'm sure you were amazing. Right. The fact that you didn't think that when you were a little girl you was know? insane. Like for me, I was like because you worked on Dance Moms, right? You were mm -hmm. you were a special host. So mm -hmm. I was doing the dance competitions like them, like JoJo Siwa, like oh. you know Maddie and um you know, her sister and all of those mm -hmm. like adorable girls. That was my life. Comp 
competition dancing every Saturday and Sunday. Similar to like Abby, or did you have like someone similar as far as like were you were you part of a I guess dance studio? Yes. Did you rep? present okay so it's it's yep, exactly the exactly same it was called dance attack it was in mountain view because we're both from up north <laughs> <laughs> wait how come you were not on dance moms i guess no by then right no, like we no, were no, no, no longer i stopped when toddlers. i was like 12 yeah. <laughs> but um but in and the the greatest thing that ever happened to me was you know the hypnotherapy and all the work and my mom being like what the fuck is going on like i i'm gonna try as many resources as possible but truthfully my my dance teacher she was the complete opposite of Abby Lee, you know, on being, excuse my language, like a total bitch, you know, she was hard on me in the best possible way, but like a second mother and was, was just a mentor, a total mentor. And I will never have that again. And the saddest part of all is that you you must have mentors. I do have that, but I think at that age and at that specific, you know, it was so vital. And, and, you know, the most tragic thing of all is that she actually, you know, she actually took her own life, um, later on. Thank you. But it's, you know, and it was many years ago, but it was just so wild how struggle, right. Is, is, is she helped me survive and not want to have those dark thoughts. And this yeah. is someone that had their own. But I wondered- Was that the pivotal moment where it, you stopped dancing? It wasn't the moment I stopped dancing because it was actually when I was much older. I was like 20. Mm-hmm. I was like 20 or 21. I had already moved to LA. I had already been, you know, an actress on TV. Yeah. And it just kind of was a shock, but it brought all of us dancers back together. And we all went back up north and we did, you know, uh, like a dance at Gun. Remember Gun, of course. Gun um, High School. Yeah, yeah. yeah Gun High. Valley, but it's like the other one, yeah. <laughs> and we, I went to Menlo Atherton. So. Yeah, so you know. I mean, like, you know, it's all the same. But yeah. we, uh, but it was a special moment of like coming together and cherishing And it was the first real experience that I had with what is suicide? What is mental health? And I knew I was going through my own struggles, but I had no idea seeing it from an outsider's point of view of seeing someone that was that strong mentor to you your entire life, um, how they had their own struggle. But did you find when you you, know that? Sorry, I'm fascinated by this. No, no. Oh my God. I love, I've never spoken about this. So I I want you to come on our podcast. Actually, I'm going to talk to iHeart after this because I think it's fascinating. You haven't had like a dancer, another dancer that's not a part of Dancing with the Stars, obviously, but like I've been very um, curious and I've been wanting to talk about it, even though not a lot of people talk about it, is mm-hmm. the mental health behind dancing, right. and not just ballroom. And that's an just in general. Own. But like you see Simone Biles, right? right? Like you, and then you relate right away, especially if you've oh. been a part of any type of competition. Totally. If you're an athlete or if you're someone who's not great under pressure, but then yet has all of the pressure, weight, yep. like the weight of the pressure of the world on her shoulders, you know, and like, obviously that is the right thing to do. But then I can also see the other side and mm-hmm. the other side of people saying she shouldn't have done that, blah, blah, blah. It's because they're just, you know, in a way is ignorance because it's like total no one ignorance. understands unless if you've been in it. Right. right. Um, and I understand that because I mean, I would make myself pretend I was throwing up even because I, my anxiety would be through the roof before competition. Really? Like, even like, at a young age? Oh, yes. And I think this is why, which led to my alcoholism because of the numbing of the feelings and like mm-hmm. getting oh, yeah. the, the thoughts just getting the best of me and not knowing that we're not our thoughts and all of that stuff. It just, you know, wasn't taught in my school, at least. Yeah. And I know it's not taught in a lot of schools, nope. even <laughs> to this day, which is a shame. But 
you know, there was this anxiety and this made up story I would constantly live in. And it, it was right. never positive. It was that voice that is always, you know, yep. that critique mm -hmm. um, that is never nice. You know, that inner child. That's always nice there, that just person. chatting away and just right. letting you know everything that's wrong. <laughs> and then if you have people around you and unfortunately, you know, when it comes to body image and all of that, yeah. like there was all of that. And there's just a lot of stuff that comes into play here. Um, and what's fascinating is that no one talks though about the benefits of how mental health and movement mm -hmm. relate. Like there is an actual federation out there that are therapists who are certified, but they're movement therapists, right? Really? So I have, yeah. So I've created, um, and it's coming out <gasps> soon, but I've partnered with a certified therapist. Her name's Katie Morton. She's, um, which by the way, I've yeah. met her at Isn't a she conference. She will never remember me, but it was the first conference oh, that sure I went would. to. No, no, no. I promise. I was so You're quiet. Very memorable. And no, no, no. I was so quiet and it was quiet? actually where I, quiet? no, there I was. And I, I had met a bunch of different people. We'd been asked to go to this mental health conference as like in quote, unquote influencer kind of things, you know? Um, and I had no idea what was going on. I had not had the podcast yet. Nothing. It was just an idea. And that's where I met like 15 people that were like, we'll help you produce a podcast if you want, because I oh, think yeah, that you she's should do got it. Her and her husband, they, she has like two podcasts. She has her YouTube channel, highly successful. I mean, she's been doing this whole YouTube thing that I just recently got into for like over a decade and she's got like over a million subscribers. It's crazy. And she's just, a, and I just gravitate towards any type of therapy or life right. coaches or right. any type of um, anyone that wants to talk about mental health. Who want, I mean, anyone, that I would just want to learn. I want to like absorb it all. I wish I was like that when I was in school, but hey. No, I wasn't like, like that in never. school. It took me like to this show literally to then be able to be like, oh wait, there's other ways that I can help and grow and be a better person for myself, yes. like selfishly. And it's fascinating. It's fascinating too that like, because no one talks about it and the mental health behind everything that we do really, yeah. it, it has become um, so like, I, I've become so hungry to hear more and yep. wanna learn more. Um, but yeah, so Katie and I are partnering with um, a new dance program that I've been like kind of thinking about now since a little bit before the pandemic. And uh -huh. I realized there was a missing piece and it was having like a certified therapist attached to it. Oh God, so, I mean, so I guess great. this is like the first time we're actually announcing it here, but um, <laughs> hey, but, hey. <laughs> I mean, just slowly get it out there. But now that, now I have to actually, you know, make it happen, Yeah, but it's called dance. Um, it's called body body language. That's what it's called. Body, body language. language. And it's about, it's therapeutic. It talks about how dance is healing and why it's therapeutic. And then I have Katie attached to it, who's not a dancer, obviously, mm -hmm. but who can talk about like about the, you know, different ways it connects right. to the brain and like why it can change your mood right away. And like <gasps> how talk therapy isn't the only way, right? And yep. because a lot of people can't talk about it. I've got a few family members who have also been sexually abused and they can't talk about it. Yep. And there's got to be other ways, other things out there. And unless you are as curious as we are, to it's find not going to happen. No one knows. Right. Yeah. I actually just got um, asked and I did it yesterday. It was the craziest thing. I recommend anyone doing it. Um, and they they did a whole YouTube video segment for NAMI. Um, 
I, I was asked to do part of self-care university and it's mm -hmm. equine therapy. And so they Let's had me equine therapy on a horse, you, equestrian. Oh, equestrian. So yes, I yes, got yes, yes, on yes. a horse and they have you like close your eyes and it's a whole mm -hmm. meditation thing. And there's like, yeah. uh, there, the therapist that's there is especially like, she specializes in sex therapy. And, yeah. and then there was another therapist there and they do this whole thing with you. And it was yeah. all about you feeling your body with the horse. And I'll tell you right now, I was, scared nature i was fucking scared shitless and oh, i why? love i love horses but to be on an animal and to bareback be not, not on a saddle right you're there like literally just because you the horse needs to feel you you have to close your eyes and like you're closing your eyes and they're walking you around oh, on it and no. you feel your body and i was like this but it was so That's wild what it feels like to surrender it, it literally was exactly the feeling of surrendering like, and let it, like, let go of it all. It was yeah. so gross in the best even, way possible. Think about it. Even if you could have a saddle, even if you were with your eyes open, you still can't control. No, because like at the end of the day, the horse is stronger than you. Yeah, no, <laughs> if the horse wants to throw your ass off, it'll throw your ass off. No, absolutely. And that's what they said. They're like, you have to trust your partner. You have to feel like yeah. his energy feel. So I, I am so floored. Yeah, it's something that you have to do. I'm going to introduce yeah. you to the group. It's like, well, there's like so EMDR. There's like, there's so much out there when it comes to like, you know, moving your eyes back and yep. forth. And then like there, but you know, there's trauma specialists mm -hmm. out there that of course. And I've been with you know, for me, I've been in therapy since I was a little girl and I tend to, um, I get comfortable with somebody, you know, like mm -hmm. my therapist currently, and I think she's great, but it's also great to like experience and explore what else is out there. Cause there's so much out there. Well, and you and I are very similar like that. We are very curious humans and we mm -hmm. do have a lot of energy and we want to like be a part of it all and see it all and talk totally. to people. And, yeah. you know, it's exciting for us, but I think that, that, this movement but it's also is like going to be amazing knowledge all of it right of like course. i think in a way selfishly i am this open because it holds me accountable for many yep. things and it also it makes me i guess learn and learn from what even what i'm saying and am i just preaching or am i also practicing you know so right. it's just it's it's a difference you know and, and i think i know it does help people i know that for a fact which is why i created my youtube channel because you know a lot of people are like are you a little bit too open about your i'm like no honestly i think this is a gift like i don't think it's a bad thing there's certain things obviously you keep to yourself of course that is yeah right? yeah whatever of boundaries course. you want to set of course and whatever but like and i respect it and mm -hmm. i also respect people that don't want to say anything that's fine but there is a gift within being able to talk about your past yep whatever you want to label them as because you grow from that experience and what's you know? going to help you and what could help someone and else. No one's alone. Nobody's alone. We no. all go through it. And it's that's just the thing. Like levels maybe of it. The amount of times that I was just in need of someone else to speak about mental health. I don't need someone to be like, Oh yo, I'm bipolar too. I don't need that. No. I just no. need someone to know that I'm being heard in this mania that goes on in my head. And when yes. you feel out of control and you have pain, and you have anxiety you just want to know you're not alone you know exactly and I was listening to your podcast and I was quite I was wondering and I was actually telling my husband this I was like maybe I am bipolar because I was like I, this is the first time I've ever heard anyone really talk about it right was mm -hmm. listening to your podcast and it just it really helps because it you always want to question like you always want to have a question mark and, and for it's me good I to do. question. when you stop wanting to yeah. be curious your life is freaking over as far as i'm concerned. yes or yes. You, when, when you stop learning or when you think you know everything it, like it, that's just not the case 
Yeah, no, exactly. And you want to keep learning more. When you were younger, did you feel like, so you said that you started going to therapy when you were, when you were a kid. Four. Wow. Mm. That's so amazing. Oh my God. That's well, I got, so amazing. So my mom and dad divorced. So that was, and right. my mom thought I had a hearing impairment because I didn't talk until I was pretty much like four or five years old. And I was, my mom thought, okay, wait, there's something going on. Like she's not even really engaging, but mm -hmm. there was two things happening. My parents divorced and then my mom working her ass off, right. Yep. To like, just put food on the table. And then me being raised with my Filipina nanny who didn't speak English. So there was another language being spoken at home. Wow. I was confused. There was trauma. Yeah. Right. And then the second round of the trauma basically happened when I got sexually molested. Right. So when that happened, then it was like, obviously I was talking by then I was like eight, nine years old mm -hmm. and, um, you know, testifying against him in court and like the whole thing. And so with that just came a lot of insecurity and self-doubt and just zero confidence, no self-esteem, hated myself, even <sighs> though I didn't even know what that meant back then. Um, and losing my identity. I think mm. I didn't really have one until honestly, until I started dancing with the stars. Cause I had, I had no choice, but really, mm -hmm. oh my God. Why do you think that it was dancing with the stars that, that gave you the in quote, out of quote identity you were looking for? I mean, look, I'm still finding it right. Like we all evolve, but right. <clears throat> I didn't even know my favorite color. Like it was because in the wow. competition world, like before dancing, I was involved in the ballroom, like com competitive yeah. lifestyle, which, you know, for me, which is I, the hardest, which I will say that is, that is like dance competitions like that I did is nothing. That is exactly, that is like the Olympics. It is, it yeah. is on another it's, level. It's a, it looks glamorous, but it ain't it's not. That glamorous, no, let me tell you. And it's, freaking it's expensive like my mom is really, it really yeah it is so expensive and then for what a trophy like yeah, you I actually know. don't win money you only way you make money as a competitive ballroom dancer is first of all teaching but then that requires for you to be there so you don't make money in your sleep and when you do win which is very rare that one couple becomes a world champion mm. maybe you get a little bit right but you pay for travel you pay for hotels you pay for coaching you have to pay for your rhinestone costumes for Ofsky. it's like it just doesn't stop so you hopefully you become good enough to where you get sponsored but even that man this yeah is i mean that's purely for the passion and art of ballroom dancing right it, there is nothing behind it it's right. a small world it's not like mm -hmm. we're training for the olympics even though i do believe ballroom should be in the olympics but i think it absolutely Absolutely should be. <laughs> but it's also I, political. So you see yeah. these political. And so it's like, it's crazy because every year we have this huge competition called Blackpool. That's basically the equivalent of Olympics. Mm -hmm. And it's like people walking in long gowns. It's like all, it is very Hollywood within the ballroom world, right? So like it is a man's world. And going yeah. back to the whole identity thing, like even my dance coaches, you know, you always, they always ask questions to your partner, to the right. guy or right. the guy leads, the woman follows. Like it lives in that uh, old school way, which I love as right. a dancer, but right. I don't love as, um, as a being human a part of a team. There's no team. It's not, the mm. girl doesn't matter. <laughs> which is so way. crazy to me because I will never forget when we were, I, I don't remember who your, your partner was at the time on Dancing with the Stars, like which season this was, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you were like, you have, and we weren't even talking about you and your partner. We were talking about someone else and mm -hmm. you were saying how 
you have no idea how much harder it is for the women on Dancing with the Stars, like the women competition dancers, because Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to be the one that's in quote unquote leading, right? You're not the man in the situation. It also doesn't look good. Like it doesn't look good. Yes. But we are. Overwhelming. I mean. And then try dancing with someone who's like Rick Fox, six, seven. That was the start of like all my injuries. Cause it's like, you can only shove and push physically somebody who's like, first of all, doesn't even feel you pushing on them. No, they're so no. like dense. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's crazy for us because on the show specifically, how do you teach a man to fake lead? And then right. at the same time, and the time pressure and all of that. But the reason why I give credit, a lot of credit, I would say not all, but a lot of it to Dancing with the Stars is because these interviews, they were interested and curious to know who I who I was. So mm. if that's the case, it forces you to really figure that out right away. And it's like, it's one-on-one, like as far as learning how to talk and sound bites and, right. and all of that. And it's forcing you to do this because I was part of a show that is now going into season 30, but from so the beginning. Wild. So like, it was okay to be quiet. It was okay to kind of like roll with the punches. Um, But if I were to audition now, let's say, and I never did it back then, there's no way I would have gotten this job. I mean, it's so, I feel like it's so different. I think the cutest thing, the the interview that you just posted, your first one (laughs) when they were- like an- Where did the English accent come from? I seriously was fresh off of Blackpool. That's where that comes from. But a lot of my coaches were English. So it's like, that's what I mean. Like I became a chameleon. Like I would do anything anybody did. Like, just like, but who's Cheryl? You were so cute. Who was your first partner? My very first partner when? And for on the on, season, like on like celebrity partner and Dancing with the Stars. Oh, that, Drew Lachey. That was my very, very first oh partner. Oh my gosh. I started in season two. That's so wild. Did yeah. you ever have a moment on the set, which I'm sure, you know, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I know that I have like had panic attacks on sets. Like I know like during... Uh, I, I, I don't know if you know who Kevin Love is, the basketball player. Yes. Okay, so Kevin Love was talking about how when he was in the NBA finals, he had his first panic attack. Wow, it right. was literally in the middle of the finals. I've- and what does that look like exactly? Because like, look, I definitely, definitely think... I may have. I just don't know if I labeled it yet. You don't know if you labeled it. So for so I'll give an example. Like for me, when I had my first panic attack, it was um, on set. And mm-hmm. the best thing that happened was it was right in the makeup trailer. I had just finished my hair and makeup. And so it wasn't like on set. It wasn't this like big dramatic thing. But it's it like felt like. You didn't faint no, with no. Your eyelashes still, but like, sort of like that because okay. I got very emotional. Like I got overwhelmed. Uh-huh. I started seeing like it was like almost like I was drowning underwater where yeah. it was like black was slowly going up your eyes. And like where's the nearest exit? Where's thing? the nearest? Exactly. Where's the nearest exit? My heart was going 100 miles a minute. And yes, I thought I that. I do every single week then. Oh, then fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then they're really exciting where you feel like. Like I thought I was having a stroke. And so I, and my grandma had just had a stroke a couple weeks before that. So I had called, um, they had called the set doctor and they were like, Hey, can you come talk to her? And they calmed me down and I was like, no, no, I'm having a stroke. He goes, you're having a panic attack. And I never said your heart rate was like going a million miles a minute. I was like, no, sir, you are incorrect. (laughs) 
like, I am having a stroke. I am dying. You are wrong. Okay. We're in Canada. This is not, this is, I'm having problems here, sir. Um, but, and, and I ended up learning that that's what a panic attack was. Um, and people need to talk about it more because I think mm -hmm. what the, what people may think of what a panic attack is, you must be crazy, you know? So the whole whole stigma behind it, it was a secret. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that it happens to me quite often. I just haven't labeled it yet because that to me is scary. Like it's kind of like, oh, do I need to check myself in like somewhere because like to have that. But I think also I've been, I've said this before, like I'm a professional number, right? So like I tend to, and I catch myself do it to this day, even though I've been a little over three years sober, but like I tend to now focus on other things, Mm. all about productivity. Like you can, as far as being an addict or that right. label. Like I actually don't even think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think addicts are quite fascinating. Yep. And I think we've got a different way of thinking about things. We're very detailed and OCD yep. about everything. And why is that labeled such a bad thing? Why is it I a bad thing? What, exactly. What it's so bad about is that we don't talk about it and, or we become offensive because of mm-hmm. that word right. and, or defensive. No one wants to be an addict or no one can label someone an addict or it's like at the end of the day, I'm just excessive period and mm-hmm. a discussion. So yep. I find that to be something that I know why I had to stop drinking, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. I just can't stop. Yep. So it became this whole thing. But then really, you're just what is it that is causing all of this? And it's all of the right. feeling your feelings and so scared of it that I'm willing to do whatever it takes not to feel that way. Even though if the feeling only lasts for a few seconds, if you were just to shut up and feel it and it, let yourself feel it. Listen, a few seconds feeling, feels like uh, like hours, okay? But like it's going it to come back and bite you in the ass of course. Like way later. And it's just going to cause all of this. Um, I guess, buildup that will then cause, hopefully not, but cause for substance abuse. Oh, I mean, yeah. And, you know, when you were doing Dancing with the Stars, was there any, like, what, was there a moment on the show where you kind of were like, oh, fuck, like, I'm feeling, I'm spinning out of control and I'm spiraling. I would jinx myself. I I messed up on my routine. I'll never forget this. So I think I was dancing with Chad Ochocinco. We were doing a Foxtrot. This was the first time where I let my, like, my thoughts were so loud, louder than ever. And I was still drinking during that time. Mm -hmm. So maybe I just, I was coming down Mm -hmm. maybe from the night before. I don't know what happened, but I basically forgot what direction to sway in. Like it was the weirdest thing and it happened live. (gasps) And I was like, oh wait, I was telling myself like, go right, share like, cause it was coming up and I was like, oh, I just blanked out. But in my head, I was like thinking, oh, come on, just go left. Like I was, I was right. self-sabotaging my, and I did, and I fucked up the whole, it fucked him up and it was a domino effect. Yeah. And, and, and it and, was like, and that to me was when I was like, oh really shit, freaked out with my, cause it was the first time I started to hear thought, my thought, mm. my own thoughts. I didn't really hear my own thoughts prior to that moment, which was really weird. It was a weird experience. Did Crazy. you talk to people like before you got sober? Did you talk to friends and family? Like, did they ever come to you or did you keep it all totally private? You know, I decided to get sober. So my father passed away, right? Right, so he I passed remember. away a few years ago. And this was when my husband and I just got engaged. And then I remember right. coming home from um, his wake in Thailand. And with that was all that drama. Like, so yep. the fact that like, my, that's that's a whole nother podcast. We'll I know. About that later. But there's a lot of unanswered questions, right, put it right. that way. And I noticed that all I wanted to do was drink and drink and drink. And I mm. really 
had a bad reaction to the alcohol. Like mm. this was right before our engagement party, I believe. And I started like, hi- there was hives all over my yeah. body, like completely red. And I was always that like proud Asian. Yeah, I know. You would always be like, red, I'm red. Right? Like, I was actually <laughs> I'm quite scary because it was like a function. I was a functioning drunk. Yeah. Like, there was no difference from what I, from what I saw and from what everyone around yep. me saw, like people were like, Oh, when I wasn't drinking, it was when I was turned introverted and mm-hmm. quiet. And everyone was like, are you hungover? I'm like, no, I'm just sober, but that's scary. Like you prefer me to be this loud, obnoxious right, person, right, right. which helped with the alcohol. Yeah. Obviously the alcohol triggered that, but I decided to stop because first of all, the reaction to it, obviously my subconscious was just not there. It was rejecting the alcohol. And when I say I could drink, I mean, I drank to the point where it just didn't work anymore. Right. The alcohol, I wouldn't even get it's, tipsy. But and that's I would literally my- what every person in my life who is sober now, it's like, hey, I if I could still do it, I would do it. But you know what? It just stopped working. And then I had to find something else what? to help it. <laughs> or you do something worse. And yeah. so before for me, and I thought about it. So before I even got there, I was like, look, I could either fall down this rabbit hole and blame my you know, dad's passing and all that stuff. Right. But then like, look, at what I have to lose. And at the, you know, at that time it was really, it was me being with my husband, now husband and slowly getting my personal life together. Mm -hmm. And I never, I also realized too, that I never went a day sober. Like, I don't think, I think every day I always had a sip of something, Mm. but I could never, when it stopped working, when it was just literally me peeing every two seconds, I was like, oh, this is just not good. Yeah. Like there was nothing that I could do. I mean, it went just right through me. There was no feeling. And it was like, this is scary because either I check myself into the nearest rehab center or Mm -hmm. um, I just need to stop. Or I change my life. Yeah. Because I didn't want the pressure. Right. So I knew that if I were to announce it, even just to family and friends, there were there was a high chance that I was going to probably drink again right. or end up lying to my loved ones. Right. And I was just like, let me see if I can just do it do on your own one day, yeah. just like yeah. literally one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And it was the night of our engagement party. Wow. I didn't know that. That's mm-hmm. so wild. No. And I think that that's so courageous. And I think also it's allowing the pressure to get off of you, you know, yeah. because you to announce, that's when you don't have yeah. to announce everything. Cause if you're not a hundred percent feeling it, if you're not knowing that you're really going to follow through, then of course you're going to end up lying because you don't want to, yeah. there's so much shame behind it all. Right. There's so much shame. Like when you do relapse, a lot of people don't want to talk about it because there's shame. No, of course. And, you know, it's interesting, like a couple of things. But, you know, I always say I, I mean, now that I'm in the world of, of mental health and speaking on it as you are, so you totally understand what this is like right now that you've like opened up the floodgates. It's like everyone comes to you and you're like, I'm not an expert, but yeah, I'll tell my story. Yeah, you know, and I feel bad about that, too. Like, but it's insecure about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not an expert. I don't know how to help you. But but the best gift that I can give and is what other people have given me is totally. shared a story because the we're not story, trying to like textbook it out like we're not exactly. katie morton but like we're definitely no we can we can talk from experience and it's more relatable and it's more understandable yeah. and like for me like the first person that i ever knew that was and not even in a personal way but that i had 
been aware of that lived with bipolar disorder was Carrie Fisher. And I was always obsessed with Carrie Fisher. I was obsessed with Star Wars. Princess Leia my, was my everything. <laughs> she was my everything. Yeah. Um, Debbie Reynolds, obviously, like, yeah, was totally. my everything. So for yeah. me, like just hearing her speak so openly, candidly, and being very blunt about it, you know, she was like, yeah, yeah I'm fucking bipolar. I'm crazy. I'm an addict. I'm this. And it was like, oh, wow. Like this it's is refreshing. This is okay. It's refreshing. But what I yeah. always say to people which makes her an amazing actor I think which made her the most incredible actor and what I always say to people is you know I'm not here to judge you and say oh you have a mental health issue well you should really talk about it especially celebrities right I'm not gonna be like you should do this like I just started the AA program mind you you know obviously I do a podcast called pretty messed up with two people who are also sober and who are part of the program, AJ McQueen from the Backstreet Boys and Renee Elizondo. And we've been doing it now for a little over a year. And, you know, they always mention during this, uh, the podcast just randomly, because we only talk about sobriety or mental health. And they mentioned about white knuckling. And I was like, oh, I fit the definition of that. And I was like, I just found it very offensive kind of, because I was like, well, it's not like I haven't been doing the work. I have been doing the work. I've been in therapy my whole life. And Mm -hmm. I'm very, Mm -hmm. I would say I am very self-aware of like what I do and versus what I don't, but I understand what they say. And, but I also believe though, you know, to my point is that there's not only one way. No, there's not one way. If you're not no. doing AA, you're not not you're not white knuckling. Like there's no. no, it's not labeled. But there, the label for me is like if you're not consistently doing the work to uh, evolve and right. to want to learn and to be better, then yes, yes, then you're white knuckling it. No, 150%. I I could not agree with you more. And I think that there, you know, have been times where I don't really do great in normal therapy um, because I have been fucked over by a lot of therapists to the point where they put me on the wrong and not even therapists. That's scary. Doctors, they put me on the wrong medication. It made me have suicidal like tendencies, all this stuff. And so it really, and, and I was shamed for ever saying that they were like, people would be like, oh, you can't say that. You know, well, you, you have, have to, to go to their- that Because that's important to know that they're it's not a- perfect either. Yes. That, like, look, they're also learning. They're not like obviously in purposefully wanting to hurt you, but no. there's so much new shit out there that- it's important you talk about it. It is important. And like for me, I had to make that choice, right? I decided, I was told for years when I found out I was bipolar, I was on the show Caprica at the time. And um, everyone on Caprica was very supportive of me, but there were other people outside of the business who were in the business, but outside mm-hmm. of that particular show that said, you know, it's probably best that you don't talk about it because mm-hmm. you don't want to be labeled a diva. You don't want to be difficult. Well, how long ago was this? This was is in uh I was 22 and I'm 34 now so 12 years ago and this okay. was during the heyday of our favorite you know Lindsay Lohan being the wild club girl you know it's, it was I, by the way that was me to every morning you'd see me catch me on tmz.com listen I love tmz who didn't love a tmz moment okay x17 online on, remember x17 <laughs> you always get those like horrible text messages like <laughs> Well, you definitely had fun last night. I'm like, oh, shit. But great memories that we can share. But they were saying, you know, you don't want to be like her when there were the stories, these horror stories of her. That was different. That was different of not, you know, uh, she would not show up to set and she would be difficult. And they'd be like, oh, you'd be like this. 
wasted. Like it was just yes. one big mess. Like she was a mess, a hot mess. But, but they she didn't did... talk about the mental health behind it all. Absolutely. Right? She was obviously hiding something, but she wasn't um, open enough or not like it's a bad thing, but she didn't feel comfortable enough or vulnerable enough to be able to talk about it. Totally. And some people may never get there. No, and either. some people need, and never fine. get there. And that's fine. And and so, you know, when I had kept it so quiet for so many years and then I had started talking about it because NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the organization, they had um, reached out to our other friend, Morgan Stewart, and Morgan Stewart was an ambassador for them. So I didn't know that she also deals with that. Yeah, no her, her family. It's in her family. So she always talks about it and brings awareness. And she was one of my only friends that really I would talk so openly about bipolar disorder. Uh-huh. So when she was hosting this luncheon and she was being honored as an ambassador, she was like, do you want to come along? And I said, oh, okay, cool. Like, sure. You know, and I started hearing everybody's story at this luncheon they would come up and speak and they were being honored and so she it was it like it still gives me chills and I went up to one of the heads of NAMI um this woman Katrina and I said Katrina look into this no I'm gonna introduce you like this is gonna be your new jam and I said to her I said I I live with bipolar disorder and I've never heard anyone else speak about it before other than Carrie Fisher I would love to be somewhat a part of this between you and Kanye and I mean, there's only maybe a handful of people now that I know, but that's still not enough. Like, you know, no. and mind you too, like, how do I, you know, like, and who is to diagnose you, right? Obviously a professional, right. but like, and then like, what if it's misdiagnosed or like, what if you don't know what Which I was the signs for years. are instead yeah. you just think you're having a panic attack. Like, so I guess I'm just curious about it. What are the signs? So there are a lot of signs and it's different for everybody. There's there's two different types of bipolar. There's bipolar one and bipolar two. Um, one is what I have, which is high highs and low lows. So, um, you know, Everyone like in the ballroom world is definitely. Bipolar. I mean, I literally like creatives are Seriously, like, it's just I'm we are. Kidding. And it's not just, it's just I don't want to label t- them everybody. But I am I mean, like the that's what I'm trying to work on is like getting rid of the fight or flight freeze. Like it's yep. always that that constant, it's that constant, but that's all I know. And for bipolar two, I don't know it enough to speak on it well in an educated way. But my co-host of my mini show, Beauty in the Brain, he's a neuroscientist scientist and he lives with bipolar two disorder and oh my god he's the best david haggerty he's my favorite um and he is his bipolar disorder is it's more middle ground where he gets more depressed for long periods of time but he doesn't Mm -hmm. have the high like manic episodes so i've never tried cocaine before but Everyone in high school used to think that I was a coke addict because when I was like high, I was like like all over the place, like Mm -hmm. running around, feeling hot. And you or or they would say like ADD or whatever. Totally. But more but more the coke, because when you feel um, what other people have explained to me. When you feel like you're, when you're in this manic episode, which can last literally a couple hours and it can last a couple months, like it just is like, yeah, it's just, it changes always. Like for me, it never lasted more than a couple weeks for me, but it has lasted these big moments where your ego and you feel like you're untouchable, where I would be like, come at me, bro. I will fuck you up. Like that's literally what it felt like for me. I know everything that you're saying right now. 
Yeah, and, and it's I, this, I mean, I can feel that. It's the uh, false ego, right? It's the false well, it's, ego. And then, when, and then the trigger is a show yep. that you're being judged on or yep. like constantly like in the same group of people wanting what do you want exactly? Because like a mirror ball, who cares? You know, when you take right. a step back, but like it's like war and it's like it's yes. not, not just on TV. It's worse in the ballroom industry. Like people are there scratching each other's eyeballs out, not even kidding, elbowing because like in a real competition, everyone's on the floor at the same time. And when I tell you, it's like your fight or Fuck. flight or free. That's exactly yeah. what you need to yeah. do. And it's out to each their own. But this is how, and so I'm very hyper vigilant, right? Mm. And so like in a way, you know, that's not a good thing, right? Like right. But then I'm so aware of everything, everything. detailed, every, that my brain goes a million miles an hour. And I, this is why I drink. Yeah. And, and that's the, you know, it's really interesting because so one of the signs for females, particularly when they're younger, you know, the sign of crossing the threshold, that's very mm. popular. That was a, that mm. was a sign. But obviously when I was Wait, say more, what do you mean? By like that? when I couldn't go from one side of the dance floor to got the next it, being it, a perfectionist, it. like it was the same thing with my, my karate. It was the same sort of thing. Like Wait, I you, couldn't you did karate. Oh I my did. goodness. You've done everything. I'm, I'm, that, by the way, I'm that's pine size, but like Taekwondo and like all of that. Stuff that's what I did. I'm a black magical. belt on Taekwondo, but I haven't oh. done it for, for years, but it's You're my a black belt. I'm a black belt girl. It's like my secret hidden talent, <laughs> but so those were the perfectionism was something, but what they find is when girls are going through puberty, a sure tell sign of bipolar disorder, like one of many ingredients is um, anorexia or bulimia because mm. it's all about the control and it's all about right. being able to control your body. It's something I never Does had. Does body dysmorphia fall into that? I wonder. No, because it's not about, um, well, the way, possibly, the way but it's- look. Exactly. It's not about how you yeah. look. It's about the control of, I am going to do X, right. Y, like and Z. Hurting yourself, like yeah. self-sabotage. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So for me, I never had that. I had other ways that I was trying to control myself and control like my mind and my body, but not through my weight, not through, right. you know, throwing up and what yeah, I eat. No, I so, I can't do that either. Yeah, yeah. So for me, that was that was why in the like checklist of things. And the saddest thing is, is so my my co my co host um, David Haggerty, uh, the neuroscientist, he was telling me that bipolar disorder is one of the hardest things for someone to diagnose a doctor. It's hmm. the last on a checklist because hmm. when you go into a doctor, right, you're not going in because you're feeling like high and feeling amazing and untouchable and unstoppable. No, it's when you're at your, when you're when about you're to your... like hit rock bottom. Yes. Absolutely. So, right. The yes. first thing they're going to say is, oh, are you depressed? Yes, I'm feeling very depressed. Oh, well, yeah. I'm going to put you on antidepressants, but antidepressants do the complete opposite for bipolar disorder. It makes your highs higher and lows lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, that's, no, but, you know, after hearing your podcast and I'm again, it's starting to remind me of like, okay, when you were talking about the symptoms, like I fit everything. So yeah. I did go to my therapist and I asked her like, is it a possibility that yeah. I could be? Um, and you know, she said no, but I, I would like to get a second opinion just because like, yeah. And you know, you know it can't hurt is, to ask things, can't hurt, right? No. Yeah. And I've asked, uh, you know, a million things I've asked like, Oh, do I think I have board doctor? Do I have borderline multiple personality? personality do I exactly? Yeah. Do I have multiple personality disorder? Like, what do we think it may be? Or are we just under stress? Like, <laughs> Or, or are we that, just that, is it humans? Not is it not deep? Like, is it does it does it have to have a label, or do we just have to be fully aware of what right. we're doing in that sense? You know. Well, and I think that honestly, like 
full circle, the best thing that we can do is share our own stories because stories have such power to it. But I always tell people, if you are not ready to share your story, like I was not ready at 22. It is, you, you can't do it because... You know, if I would have shared my story of living with bipolar disorder when I was 22 years old, I, I am 99.9% sure I was would not be here on this earth right now because totally. I couldn't handle the pressure. I couldn't handle right. the judgment from other people because right. let me tell you, the amount of people in my life um, that I've lost because they're so annoyed with hearing about mental health and they're over my social media, like not like like close know. friends, but but <laughs> these are like, like superficial, like secondary yes. people in my life. Well, that's why they are that and that's why they're that and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people just like don't want to hear it and that's fine I don't I don't need I don't need you to hear it if you don't want to hear it I just want to share my story and And don't hear it like change the channel change change the channel exactly like change the channel and so that's like the best thing that you can do you know was it really therapeutic for you to meet AJ since he is sober and and lives like that yeah I mean, you know, for me, it was like he was newly sober when he did Dancing with the Stars. And I've always said this as a Oh, joke. that's like, right. I, I was like, uh, whoever's partnered with me, please don't be newly sober because I'm definitely going to drive <laughs> you to drink. And this was before, obviously, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, in my teaching style, there's no hidden secret here, right? Like I'm pretty hardcore. Yeah. But um, because I just want the best out of my students, yeah. Yeah. honestly. Yeah. And I'm just like, no bullshit. That's just who I am. But that's the way I was coached. So I don't think I know anything else. And it's really hard for me to lie and it's really hard for me to BS anybody, but look, But that's what makes what you the is. best one. <laughs> Honestly. I'm a little bit scared, right? And thank God uh we were partners like when I was done partying, because like if right. we were partners when I was <laughs> partying and when he was trying to be sober, this would be coming out with us. <laughs> yeah, this would have been a big problem. Um but what was great was he opened my eyes, I would say, to um letting somebody, first of all, to being a good listener. Like I've yeah. had this it's funny because when I was, as I said here, like I, my mom thought I had a hearing impairment cut to, I can't shut the F up. I'm <laughs> going back to wanting to listen because like just with this AA meeting, it's still over Zoom. You know, yeah. I also have discovered throughout this time I have social anxiety and it was like, I would have to drink before any type of event, whether that be a guest co-host on E right. to like a red carpet event to anything, any type of anything that I have to network. And I right. don't like that word social networking. I'd yeah. much rather be a loner and drink at home and just have yeah. parties at home. And so now that I've been sober, at least I've been able to come to Jesus with that part of it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I have social anxiety, accept it for what it is mm-hmm. and at least know it. Just right. know that you have it and it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. Right. And so what he has made me, I guess, just think about first is like, okay, maybe you know, there is also another level to this, which mm-hmm. is whether you believe in God or not is totally, I thought was like, for me, it still is hard to not think it's a woo-woo because I of come course. from a family of Catholics, right? right? And so like with that comes memories of just never understanding what the heck the priest was saying. He was just reading out of the freaking book and most of the time had a huge- I don't remember accent. what a first communion was. I just I mean, remember that that I, wafer was so damn yummy. <laughs> I just remember Sunday, every Sunday, freaking Sunday school, half of a stale donut yeah. down my throat. And I loved it. Um, that was that's all I was looking forward to, really. Uh, and then, so I didn't connect to God or any of that type of talk, right? Yeah. And then I started meditating. Mm. So I started meditating. This was before I decided to do AA, and 
the meditation, I think the quieting, first of all, it was very, uh, I guess, overwhelming for me because mm. to be sitting in my thoughts was quite scary oh, and not having, uh, the fucking it's not mindful, worst. right? It's like full <laughs> on, it's full on sitting in silence. It was yeah. mantra based. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to do this. It was like a two week online course. It was 20 minutes a day and it was powerful yeah. to the point where it was like, okay, I started thinking about stuff that maybe I wouldn't be thinking about if I were distracted by diamond painting or like whatever I tend <laughs> Which to do, I love. right? <laughs> and, um, and so that has, that then made me curious about, okay, there is something I believe that there's something, um, that is more powerful than all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that be God or whatever the hell you want to call whatever it, it, it is, there love, is a being, be there's something higher power. It yep. could be just something. And I think that's what for me has been missing a lot when it comes to, um, uh, just letting that spirituality really believing in it mm -hmm. and knowing that you don't also have don't have to label that and I think with that comes hope and I was hopeless for so many years and I was very jaded and I didn't see and I still am working on this I didn't see the glass half full at all like no optimistic any thoughts none of it like I'm you know you you definitely knew me during yep. this time in my life I've known in both right when it's like everything is just a fact and it's very just it's like but then there was no dream there was no like mm -hmm. there was not, none of that like oh you know i hope for this or i also would love to sometimes feel like desired or mm -hmm. like wanting something or asking for help it's just like the little things there that mm -hmm. i felt like i could control it all or i could do everything on my own and with the program going back to your question yeah it has helped me, first of all, be a better listener because you have to mute yourself, right? Yeah. Whenever someone's talking. So that definitely helps. That's hard. <laughs> but when you listen, though, it's, I find listening is so much more powerful than talking because oh you can't learn when you're talking, right? So it's like that has helped me then try and change my perspective about like spirituality. And I think that's what's been missing and why I've never been satisfied is because I never believed in anything higher than mm -hmm. me or more powerful that I thought I mm -hmm. could control. So if I can control my own destiny, my destiny is so far away from me because it's mm -hmm. never good enough. Yeah. It just is exhausting to be in that hamster wheel of just thoughts like that. So did, it has helped me for sure connect more to my spirituality. Did you sure. ever connect um, with your old dance partner and our, our other mutual friend, Jack Osborne with it? Because he He's helped oh God, so yes. many people. Um, my God, that that man is such a gift to so Special. many people. Um, I, and I always, you know, I always think about him and just what he's done and just how he's changed his life and yeah. what a fantastic human By and father way, he is. New new addict to diamond painting, Jack Osborne. He loves Obsessed. it. <laughs> no, let me tell you, like I did this IGTV, um, like uh, oh, that's what, right, he was in on, it. Like, <laughs> Yes. And he was my first guest and it was called like <laughs> diamonds in the rough or something. And he, I sent him a diamond painting. Cause I sent all my guests diamond paintings. He's the only one that was like the next day finished it. It was no. like this huge canvas and he's like, I want more. And so I, he got like himself, like a star oh, Trek one. Like it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's great for addicts. So anybody oh out my there, God, I'm, I need right? to start doing this immediately, it's but it's, so but it's so crazy, right? How we're surrounded by so many people in our life that live for with mental reason. health and that for, and for a reason and, and have helped us all lift each other at certain points in our life. Like I yes. know, like, you know, uh, there's, there's just been so many people that maybe I haven't spoken to in years or haven't been with 24 hours a day, especially during quarantine. I found I don't know how how it was, yeah, how for, was you. That for you. For me, I like completely shut down, and I, I didn't. I loved it. I want to go back. 
Oh, see, I, I couldn't handle it. I was having a nervous breakdown. Oh, wow. I was like, I don't feel connection to people. I wasn't right. working. I you, was, don't, you don't suffer from social anxiety, though. I don't suffer from social anxiety, but I suffer from meeting certain people for a first time. I think whenever oh. I'm around Sturgis's friends, I, I yeah. get very anxious. And just like when we were talking about your friend, Katie Morton, right? Like, mm -hmm. and you're like, there's no way you're quiet. Like, no, no, no. When I'm yeah. around people that are a very smart, right? Like very, very, or very smart. And yes, Sturgis's yeah. friends are, even though they're not. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they're not in the acting, you know, right. dance world they're intellectuals that like went to right. universities and I'm like what's that like yeah. um yeah that's yeah, when same. I get super intimidated and awkward because I'm like yeah I went to junior college online and I uh got my high school proficiency exam and I was emancipated and but you have so much more experience than they do in other things but that's your my own insecurity right like yeah, that's where sure. you're like oh, okay 100%. you know so that's where I kind of am with that but yeah I just think it's really it's really amazing what you're doing and i think that just the the power of storytelling is it's undeniable so and, and that's why i love our podcast so much i even like was talking to uh one of our producers and it's like that is something i look forward to you know it's not like i'm not making Dak shepherd money even though one day i hope i am by the way that's another podcast i love oh, chair experts because love because of the fact that they get there they go there yeah. you know and it's just so authentic and i think more of these there's never enough mental health conversations no. out there i think if anything we have so much to catch up on we have so much to catch up on oh my god cheryl i feel like i could do three parts to this but i'm gonna like <laughs> let you go because you have to like, <laughs> no, like do your good. whole thing but i'm gonna ask you um my final okay. question um that i ask every guest cheryl okay. what is your emotional support Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> talking to you, oh! podcasting, um, talking, like being a part of honestly, just an, a program that anybody is willing to just share their stories. And um, it really is it, diamond painting. It's everything. It's meditating. It's just feeling your feelings, even though it doesn't feel great at times and just self-awareness, I guess. It's a lot. It's a lot of emotional support, but my therapist, you know, it goes my dog, geez, Louise. I mean, another podcast, the, em <laughs> but emotional support is so, it, it, there is so many different layers There's to it. Way, yes. And I think the Dancing best thing for the both of us, movement, movement, my dance program, body language, movement. And I cannot yeah. wait. When okay. is body, body language, language coming out? <laughs> um, this is hopefully soon i mean you you will definitely hear about it we're gonna do like a little sneak peek of the sizzle we shot so um we'll definitely keep you posted oh and check God. out my social media at cheryl burke for more info and everyone please listen to pretty messed up you can get it i am assuming on every platform yes. possible for podcasts um it is just so great and aj i can't even tell you was my obsession on the you in the backstreet boys on. he would love to come on I would die. I wouldn't even know how to ask. I would no, be stop. so Im no, no. I don't think you Honestly, understand. I'm going to. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna talk to our producer over at okay. iHeart because you have to come on. And then you guys oh my god, can, I went. Maybe like the three of us will come. Like even yes. his um his mentor, our other third. Uh, yeah, who's Renee Elizondo? So He's brilliant. So brilliant. brilliant. Um. Well, I love you, Cheryl. Thank you so much you for too. coming on. And it was so great show. to see you and to like so actually have one-on-one -on -one time and great conversation. So,